Welcome, everybody, to Dead Talk Live. That was not supposed to be up there when I started. Anyway, I apologize for the late start time tonight, uh, but uh, it's for good reason, as I've said before. Uh, stay tuned. Over this next week, hopefully, I'm going to be able to announce some major, major news in regards to Dead Talk Live in our future. I'm not ready to do so yet, but please stay tuned. Uh, it's the reason why I'm actually late today and starting the show. So you guys are not going to want to miss this news. I'll hopefully be able to spill the beans sometime in this next week. And just as I was going on, I see CC Wheezy saying, where is Viz? So I'm right here. I'm right here, guys. Uh, it was either start late tonight or uh, postpone tonight's episode. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of you guys uh, are, are up late are insomniacs, a lot of people over in Europe, where it's literally the middle of the night, and, you know, I wanted to join you guys, being an insomniac myself, uh, I want to welcome you, thank you for joining me tonight, if you're tuning in for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at deadtalklive.com, of course, please visit any of our five simultaneously streaming platforms, which include YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and Twitter. So, want to welcome, of course, all of our great moderators, Singer Chick, Khaleesi, Saz, Marie, over on the Instagram side. Let me welcome some of our viewers. Of course, CC Weezy is with us, as I mentioned. Uh, let's see who else we have on Facebook. Colette is with us. Philip is with us. Lindsay is with us. Welcome to all you guys. Rem just joined us on Instagram. Abdul has given us a thumbs up. Diego, Rinchend, uh, Parshat is also giving a smiley love face. Gustavo, welcome to all you guys. I hope everyone's having a good evening or a good morning, depending on where you're located. Welcome to Christopher Cunningham, who is joining us from Virginia. Christopher, I'm in Virginia as well. Uh, a lot of our regulars know that. So, anyway, I do have some announcements that I can't share with you right now. It's uh, guest announcements, and we actually have quite a few uh, upcoming guest announcements. Uh, announcements. That's why I had that webpage up to uh, help me in introducing our guests, and we'll get to that in a minute. Now, Monday, uh, the 15th. Monday the 15th. How many of you guys out there have seen this movie, 1BR, on Netflix? If you have, please step up and say so. It's a great psychological horror slash drama movie that's on Netflix. It's amazing. Uh, it's like, uh, literally, it's, it's, it's a highly watched show on Netflix. Uh, I mean, it's just one of those movies that, you know, was an independent film. Netflix picked it up and it has just skyrocketed. Like I said, it's a psychological drama slash horror is the best way that I would uh, categorize it. But anyway, the on Monday the 15th, we are going to have uh, the producer of the film... Alec Mishra is going to be joining us along with Naomi Grossman. Now, Naomi Grossman, a lot of you guys know, 
uh, is Penny from American Horror Story. You guys remember Penny from the uh, Freak Show season? Let me bring her up so you guys can see her. Let's see, where is the cast? Let's see, there's Naomi Grossman. Let's bring her up. All right, there's Naomi. And if we look at her pictures, one of these has to be of her as Penny. Uh, here we go. Remember Penny? On the left, that's Penny from American Horror Story Freak Show. She's also in 1BR. And she is going to be here on Monday along with the producer of 1BR, uh, Alec Mishra, and to discuss the film. And uh, Khaleesi writes, love Penny. Uh, Shaman says, I don't watch much horror. Well, keep watching, Shaman. It will turn you into a horror fan because that is what this show is about. Uh, so we're very excited for Monday. We're getting... Like I said, the producer and Naomi Grossman, uh, you know, Naomi, of course, is very well known for American Horror Story, and uh, she's also appears in 1BR. Now, let me get back to the main screen of 1BR, which is somewhere here. Where, where is it? Da, 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 da. Back button. Come on, back button. Jeez, it's stuck in like a perpetual loop here. It keeps going back to this. Let me bring... Let me research for the movie. There we go. Okay, now on Tuesday, the 16th, we are going to have the star of the movie join us, Nicole Bryden Bloom. Okay, this, well, that's obviously her on the cover. And let me get you some better pictures of Nicole. She is fantastic in this movie. And I really recommend that you guys watch it. So here's Nicole. She's a fairly new, you know, she's fairly a newcomer, uh, but she is really hot right now because of this win, of because of this appearance, starring role in One Br. So for all you guys out there who have Netflix, which I know a lot of you do, uh, definitely before Monday's episode, you know, go to Netflix and watch One Br because we're going to have the executive producer Naomi Grossman on Monday, and we're going to have the star of the movie Nicole Bryden Bloom on Tuesday, uh, the sixteenth. So, we are also we don't have a final confirmation date yet, but I'm hoping for you know by the twenty second maybe we are going to have. Tommy from Friday the 13th, the guy who brought Jason back. Remember Tommy, PTSD Tommy from the final chapter as a little kid who actually, you know, kind of killed Jason and years later as an adult goes back to the gravesite and starts jabbing good old dead Jason with the fence pole, and of course the fence pole gets electrified by the lightning bolt, and lo and behold, Jason is back. Now, Tom Matthews was also in another great horror movie, which is he's even more well-known for, and that is the awesome, awesome zombie movie, Return of the Living Dead, as you could see in the picture right next to his profile picture right there. So, he's going to be joining us. Don't have a confirmed yet yet 
for Tom Matthews, but hopefully it's going to be within the next week or so. And we're very excited about that. So a lot of guests to announce. I'm like, you know, to make it easier and for you guys to see the people that we're bringing on, let me just go ahead and bring up their IMDb pages so everybody can see exactly who I'm talking about. They have not been listed yet on our website. They will be uh, no later than tomorrow, but it all starts uh, next week on the 15th. Now, we just finished two days of back-to-back interviews. Dave Davis on Monday, and yesterday we had Marnie Carpenter from Clarice. Two very fascinating interviews. Dave from the movie The Vigil, uh, that was a great interview. He gave us a lot of insight into the movie. I know a lot of you have not yet watched it. Uh, It's a demonic possession movie, and it's done... Uh, in regards to the Jewish faith, which is what garnered it so much attention before it got released a couple of weeks ago to video on demand. Not a lot of horror movies that we have seen dig deep into the Jewish faith and traditions. The Vigil does do that. And Dave Davis, who was the star of the movie, gave us some great insight this past Monday. Uh... You know, if you guys have watched it, uh, the interview, I hope you enjoyed it. If you have not yet watched the interview, it is archived on all of our channels. So please go back and watch that. It's really fascinating. Now, yesterday we had Marnie Carpenter, who plays Catherine from Clarice. You know, Catherine uh, from Silence of the Lambs, the girl that Buffalo Bill was going to kill before Clarice came and rescued. Uh, another fascinating talk with Marnie Carpenter and how she brought Catherine back to life on the show Clarice, how she chose to portray her. And we're only up to episode four of Clarice. And according to Marnie, there's going to be about 13 total episodes for the first season of Clarice. So we still have a lot of Clarice left in season one. And we're going to see a lot more of uh, the character of uh, Catherine Martin on as the show progresses. Uh, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to when Clarice and Catherine actually cross paths. Because right now... Catherine uh, is desperately reaching out to Clarice to because she feels that Clarice is the only one in the world who understands what she went through when she was being held captive by Buffalo Bill. Clarice's way of dealing with her PTSD is to completely avoid Catherine altogether and pretty much anything and everything involved with the whole Buffalo Bill saga. She does not really like that that has made her famous in the media, uh, being a junior FBI agent. She, that doesn't garner you a lot of respect from your colleagues. And Rebecca Breeds, just like we discussed yesterday, Rebecca Breeds, who portrays Clarice, they could not have picked a better Clarice. Uh, you know, as I told Marnie yesterday, before 
Clarice premiered, I'm like, how are they going to find somebody to fill Jodie Foster's shoes? You know, it was Jodie Foster who brought that character to life in Silence of the Lambs. And she was Oscar nominated for that role. How are they going to find anybody to fill those shoes? And they did it brilliantly. Rebecca is amazing. And of course, Michael Cudlitz, who we all know as Abraham from The Walking Dead. He's also in Clarice playing, playing Paul Krendler. Uh, dynamic show. So, so, so let's see what we have. If you guys have not watched 1BR, you got to add that to your Netflix queue. Uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of you have seen Friday the 13th, and I know a lot of you have seen Return of the Living Dead for our upcoming guest, Tom Matthews. And also, if you have not started watching Clarice on CBS, that's another Dead Talk Live must-watch recommendation. I cannot stress that enough. Uh, welcome to Lizzie Monk, who's joining us on uh, Facebook. Khaleesi writes, loved Marnie yesterday. Summer is joining us. Hey, Summer. How you doing? Uh, on the Instagram side, we have Kaval with us. Bet is joining us. Welcome to all you guys. Edwin is also with us. So, good. I was afraid that all you guys would have been asleep because I started tonight's show a little bit late. So, that's what we have in the way of upcoming guests and as I said earlier, stay tuned. We have some major, major, major news in regards to this show right here, Dead Talk Live, that I'll be able to hopefully share uh, maybe by the end of this week, hopefully by the early part of next week. I don't know exactly when, but it's going to be very, very soon. Big news. I mean, I can't stress that enough. It's the reason why I'm late on coming on the air tonight. Uh, so definitely stay tuned for that. So let's get on to some news. All right. There are plenty of news stuff that's going on in the world around us. And the first one on the list is apparently that the walkers have special rules to follow in AMC's hit show, the walking dead. At some point in your life, you probably wondered to yourself, why don't the characters on AMC's long-running horror action series, The Walking Dead, or any of its spin-off shows, ever call the zombies zombies. And we have covered this several times in the past. They call them walkers or biters or roamers or something like that. Are there differences between zombies and walkers? No, there's not. And we've discussed this before, it all has to do with the universe that The Walking Dead takes place in. In the universe where The Walking Dead takes place in, the word zombie does not exist. Okay? You just have to remove yourself from our, you know, universe where we've been watching zombie movies all our lives and put yourself in a situation in a world, in an alternate universe where people like George Romero did not exist and never thought of the idea of the dead rising and not only rising, but the dead eating the living. <laughs> uh, let's see what this says. At that point, 
you might have gone searching for the answer and came across the following quote from Walking Dead comic co-creator Robert Kirkman. Zombie lore is very popular. Uh, Kirkman told uh, Conan O'Brien back in 2016, we wanted to avoid that notion of, hey, why doesn't that character just shoot that zombie in the head because they saw all those movies that I saw? We wanted to kind of give you a sense that The Walking Dead takes place in a universe where zombie fiction does not exist. No one in The Walking Dead has seen a George Romero movie. So they can't get the rules from that. So basically the way Kirkman's explaining it is to make it that the zombies never, you know, zombie movies don't exist in the Walking Dead universe is people have to figure out how to eventually kill them, which they do. They do. I mean, you could only shoot or stab someone so many times all over their body except the head till you finally figure out that, hey, you know, I shoot him in the heart, nothing. You know, I stab him in the heart, nothing. But when I bash their head in with a rock and splatter their brains all over the ground, that seems to take them down. He specifically was talking about living characters and how they interact with the post-apocalyptic remains of civilization, of course. But... If The Walking Dead takes place in an alternate dimension where zombie movies never carved out a niche in horror cinema, that means the show can make up its own rules for what walkers, not zombies, remember that, can and can't do. So what rules do walkers on The Walking Dead have to follow? Let's find out. Walkers can't run, jog, or power walk. Now, I am going to bring up an incident that we've only seen once, if I'm remembering correctly, on The Walking Dead. That is when, in the first season, when Rick uh, comes up with the idea to splatter his body with the remains of Walker Guts so him and Glenn could get to the truck. And everything was going well was going pretty well until, of course, it started raining and the zombies, oh, sorry, can't call them zombies, the walkers uh, caught a sniff of their human flesh. Of course, at that point, Rick and Glenn made a dash for the gate, get through the gate, but as far as I can remember, that point, we actually do see some walk some walkers uh, if you want to call it a brisk walk, I would call it a kind of a light jog. It is the only time that I can remember, but yeah, they do. There is one episode, and if you go back and rewatch that scene when Rick and Glenn are making a run for those gates, that several walkers uh, break out into a little slow jog or brisk walk. So. You know, they broke that rule once in the beginning, but we haven't seen it since. Uh, CC writes, did the word zombie originate from African voodoo? That I do not know. Uh, Singer Chick writes, a power walk. Yeah, a power walk. That sounds good to me. But it was not the slow crawl that we have seen ever since. 
Uh, that's the only instance that I can remember. Ruben on YouTube writes, yep, I do remember that. Uh, let's see, just reading through the chats. Uh, people are talking about Fortnite and The Walking Dead on Instagram. So shortly after you die in The Walking Dead universe, assuming your brains remain intact, you rise as a soulless carcass and feast upon the warm, wet flesh of the living. But unlike undead creatures from similar media, Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead, that's the 2004, and 28 Days Later, 2002, for instance, walkers in The Walking Dead must drag themselves forward with an exhausted vertical crawl. <laughs> I like how they put that. They can pick up a tiny bit of speed at the sight of a possible meal, but under no circumstances can they run, jog, or, ironically, walk at a brisk pace. So, if a walker propels themselves with a velocity roughly equal to what zombies pull off in Shaun of the Dead, then that walker is moving way too fast. Okay, next thing on the rules list. Walkers must look terrifying at all times. That is not too hard to pull off. You're dead, all right? And if you're dead and you get up, you're not going to look your best. Walkers are not effective or efficient predators. They're not fast, strong, smart, or well-equipped with any offensive tools except their rotting teeth, that no matter how long they've been dead for, their teeth never fall out. Most of them aren't even aesthetically pleasing in a manner that might be useful for luring victims into traps. It's quite to the contrary. In fact, most walkers make you want to run screaming in the opposite direction. Boo-hoo for the walkers. All right, next on the list, walkers need to groan, screech, and make garbled, squishy sounds at all times. Okay, I'm well aware of the groaning and the screeching, but garbled, squishy sounds all the time. Well, you know, that's, it's coming back. Walkers uh, possess several qualities that inhibit their people-eating abilities while enhancing their entertainment value. For, for example, in most cases, you can hear them coming from long distances off due to their compulsive need to make weird barfing noises. Sometimes walkers make very loud barfing noises, and sometimes... They lower the volume of their barfing noises. They really like using the word barfing. But walkers practically never shut up with their endless cries of and arrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
All right, next, next, uh, sorry, next thing on the list, walkers can't be talkers, which is, of course, what confused a lot of people when the whisperers made their appearance. If walkers ever developed identities, it would throw the entire dynamic of the walking dead off kilter. When we see Daryl, Carol, or any other human hero hacking apart mindless reanimated corpses with no capacity for abstract thought or individual choice, we don't feel bad for those corpses. But if the walkers started giving each other names, like Lizzie did, I mean, she wasn't dead at the time, but she was giving them names, and expressing ideas and feelings, the wholesale massacre of these creatures would make the audience a bit uncomfortable. Maybe in that case, Daryl, Carol, and the rest of the gang would second-guess the moral certitude of indiscriminately clearing walkers off the face of the planet. You know what? I don't care if they start talking or thinking. If your ass is dead and you get up again and you're trying to eat me, yeah, I'm taking you down. That's how I see it. I mean, if you if anybody out there can possibly see themselves being sympathetic to being a walker, uh, maybe you might feel a little differently. For me, if you're dead and you come back to life with the sole purpose of trying to eat me, I'm taking you out. Maybe if they had the option, walkers would decide they don't want to eat humans anymore. No, definitely don't buy that. Don't buy that. That's their sole existence for survival you know that's that's the only reason they're back is to just eat the living <laughs> lizzie writes omg daryl you just would um reuben writes shoot it uh reuben also writes nope no sympathy for the walkers next on the list walkers must love to eat human flesh well duh okay if you're a reanimated corpse and uh you're and you don't want to eat people you definitely don't belong in the walking dead universe look if you don't absolutely don't if you don't absolutely live for completely uncooked literally fresh off the bone human meat then you've got no business being a walker i'm actually loving this article uh whoever wrote this article they have a great sense of humor, and they did a great job putting this together. Walkers lead boring, bland lives, if we're being honest. They definitely roam about with no purpose or direction until their limited abilities of detection pick up on one of the dwindling number of humans who have not already been converted into walkers. So unless you roll out of bed every morning and immediately salivate at the thought of another person's muscle, fatty tissue, or cartilage rolling down your throat, then you should not become a walker voluntarily. That's why I like this article. This person has a great sense of humor. Uh, Singer Chick writes, Viz, you're cracking me up tonight. Lizzie writes, nope, they would just eat you up. Jason is with us. Not sure he was in the background when Rick was on the street. Let's see, the next rule, walkers must uh, find fire utterly 
fascinating. Now, this holds true in the Zombieland universe, even outside the Walking Dead universe. Go back to Land of the Dead. Remember Land of the Dead? George Romero's Land of the Dead? Remember the distraction that they figured out worked really well on the zombies in Land of the Dead? Fireworks. So they loaded up their vehicles with fireworks. Whenever they would go out on runs, they would arrive at their destination, light up those fireworks, and the zombies just became fascinated at the sight of the fireworks. Until, and we did see this in Land of the Dead, that one zombie did start to show signs of intelligence beyond just wanting to eat people. He's the one that actually led the group of zombies uh, across that lake or river, whatever you want to call it, into their city. So George Romero did touch on the fact that it might be possible for zombies to either retain or regain some sort of intelligence. Now, walkers are drawn to fire even though it is inevit it inevitably burns their bodies until the flames reach up and use their skulls as crockpots for their brains. So what's the appeal? Some have speculated the fascination can be attributed to a leftover fondness for heat and motion. All right. Lingering and faded memories of Walker's pre-undead existences. There might be some truth to that, but we wonder if the attraction is actually based on a totally knee-jerk interest in aesthetics. After all, fire is shiny, pretty, and if you're a Walker whose pain receptors don't work anymore, you won't even notice that you're burning alive until it's too late to do much about it. Very true. Next, walkers have to die when someone stabs or shoots them in the brain. This is a must rule. Can you imagine a walker that you just cannot kill? So let's say you come across a zombie where it doesn't matter. You can smash their skull in. You can decapitate them. And as we've seen in many other movies... You now have a headless, dead, walking corpse. I think we might have seen that in Evil Dead too. So anyway, this is basically the only rule that applies to both walkers and humans. If your brain ceases to sit comfortably and completely within the confines of your skull, you must function no longer, no exceptions. Whether you get shot in the face or in the head or with someone uh, pierces you, uh, your gray matter with a blade or a pointed object, it doesn't matter. A swift blow of blunt force could also do the trick as long as it punctures the protective bone layer and squashes that wrinkled ball of goo within. In any of these cases, that's the end of the story for you. You can no longer claim the status of undead. You are now merely the regular kind of dead. Walkers can't die until their brain is destroyed. 
The virtual immortality that comes with embracing a walker's post-lifestyle sounds terrific. Right up until you hear an important caveat. On the plus side, basically nothing except for the destruction of your brain can kill you. On the completely awful minus side, that means that basically nothing except for the destruction of your brain can end your existence, even after it becomes nightmarishly unbearable. Let's say you're a walker and the bottom half of your body somehow winds up removed from the top half. At that point, you can't bleed to death, and no doctor is going to fix you, as there is no such thing as a walker doctor. So you're stuck dragging yourself along by your arms, potentially until the sun explodes in 5 billion years, if your skin rots away, and your now useless vital organs start to drop out of your unprotected chest cavity. You've just got to walk it off. In the same manner, a living person might walk off a stub toe or a nasty hangnail. It just goes to show that there are two kinds of immortality. The cool, sexy immortality Wolverine and vampires get to enjoy, and the garbage immortality walkers and zombies got screwed over with. <laughs> Walkers can't be loners. If you're a loner, walker, you're done. The only power the walkers have are in herds. That's it. If you're a loner, you're done. You're done. It's simple strategy. Any walker hoping to sink their deceased blunt teeth into a still-living, screaming person needs to find themselves a crew. A single walker might get lucky and stumble upon an injured human or a very stupid child uh, every now and again. But most of the time, a walker on their own is basically just a sitting duck for the next human survivor, wielding a gun, knife, rock, or a paperback copy of David Foster's Wallace's Infinite Jest which is underrated in its usefulness in endeavors of a walker-killing nature. Damn! Sticking with a large group doesn't mean a walker definitely won't get their brains bashed in at some point, granted, but it demonstrably increases their chances of finding a person and actually getting a meal out of the deal. People who see a crowd of walkers get scared run away in random directions, and sometimes find their way into a dead end where walkers can descend upon them and go directly to Munchy Town. But if you're a walker and a human sees you by yourself, then that human's going to make a cool quip and put a machete into your head. So walkers who like to eat and don't want steel in their heads Better learn to enjoy crowds. There you go. Christopher writes they wear diapers. <laughs> this is a long ass list. Walkers cannot have hobbies. When fans of The Walking Dead or any of its related shows sit down to catch up on their favorite post-civilization program, 
Do they want to see walkers juggling bowling pins? How about walkers uh, filling out amendment forms because they realize they messed something up on their taxes? Do you think longtime viewers of AMC Cultural Phenomenon really want to see reanimated corpses learning how to sail, start a book club in order to read and discuss these truths? A History of the United States but Jill Lepore or playing the classic 90s slacker anthem Santeria on acoustic guitar. Jesus. Walkers have to be single-minded. As far as options go for the afterlife, walkerhood is kind of boring. You stumble around looking for fresh meat and if you find it, attempt to relocate that meat into your mouth hole. Apart from that, you're just killing time until someone comes along and caves in your skull, or maybe runs your head over with a vehicle of some kind. Being a walker certainly limits your options, but at least it's easy and low pressure. Among walkers, there's no hierarchy. Walkers don't have walker bosses to tell them what to do, Walkers don't get a reward for eating somebody. They just immediately resume looking for a new person to eat. So whether they eat one person in a week or 12, it doesn't make any difference. It doesn't matter if you're a successful walker or a failure as a walker. Walkers don't really compete with each other. In fact, if it wasn't for the inevitable violent demise total loss of cognitive function, and endless craving for flesh, being a walker would be pretty great. They're comfortably living in in the moment, the awful, bloody, bloody post-apocalyptic moment. So there you guys have it. The rules and what to expect if you ever become a walker. Doesn't sound too terribly exciting to me, but I thought that was a fun-ass article. Uh, I thought that was really, really fun. Uh, the person who wrote that uh, must have had a great time putting that together. I thought that was hysterical. Cece writes, what would you do if you seen a walker taking a poop in the woods? Oh, my God. I have no idea. I have no idea. Christopher writes, the walker handbook. Yeah, that's exactly that's a great title for this article, The Walker Handbook. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Let's see what else we got. Uh, okay, the Power trailer teases a darkness-drenched horror movie coming to Shudder. Shudder has debuted its official trailer for the latest film, The Power, and the timing is particularly impeccable for those who need their horror fix since Halloween is tragically still months away. Rose William plays the ill-fated protagonist and most recently starred in ITV's Sandition, based on Jane Austen's unfinished manuscript. Cabrina Faith serves as writer-director, coming off a BAFTA nomination for her short film Care. Joining Williams in the cast are Shakira Rahman, Charlie Carrick, Divine Henry, uh, I'm going to screw this one up, Gimosela Ikumelo. 
I'm sorry, I probably butchered that. Nuella McGowan, Emma Rigby, and Theo Barkwin Riggs. So, is it? No, there's no trailer for this. Just a new horror movie announcement for Shudder. So, let's see. What do we got? What do we got? Scream 5. Now, all of you pretty much know that Scream 5 is coming out a little less than a year from now. It's coming out in the beginning of 2022. Now, Scream 5's Jack Quaid reveals the trick to screaming in a horror movie. It's been a good time. It's a good time to be a horror fan as the genre has been experiencing a thrilling renaissance. A variety of beloved franchises have returned to theaters as a result, including Halloween and Child's Play. This trend is continuing with the new Scream movie, which will make the fifth installment in the slasher property. A cast of newcomers is joining the original gang trio of heroes, including the boy star Jack Quaid. And he recently revealed the trick to nailing the perfect horror scream. The fifth screen movie isn't the first horror movie Jack Quaid, as he previously appeared in Tragedy Girls, but this is arguably a much bigger gig, one that will see him appear alongside franchise favorites Neve Campbell, who we have not seen in a long time, David Arquette, and Courtney Cox. Quaid was uh, recently interviewed by his encounter with Ghostface and was careful to keep it secret under wraps. But he did reveal his strategy to nailing an on-screen scream, saying this, It's an interesting thing. The horror movie scream, you can't rehearse it too much. It just has to come out of you. Good to know. Because while movies like Scream require extensive rehearsals for action sequences, other moments require more spontaneity. And for Jack Quaid, it's much easier to pull off a convincing Scream when he doesn't overthink it or get in his own head. And that philosophy can be used in a lot of different aspects of our lives. Jack Quaid comments come from his recent appearance on Stir Crazy while doing a deep dive into his leading role in Amazon's The Boys eventually the conversation turned to his involvement in Scream not much is known about his role but he did confirm that he had to work out his vocal cords for the role and just reading this I'm just trying to think back on how many horror movies have we seen where the men just really belt out a loud-ass scream? I mean, if I put that question to you guys right now, what's like the first character or movie that comes to your head? That where a man just lets it loose and screams just no holding back whatsoever. I am drawing a complete blank. I really am. I'm trying to think of one, and I can't. I can't. And if we get to see it in Scream 5, all I've got to say, it's about damn time. Because, you know what? It's kind of a, like a, you know, what's the right word? Misogynistic way? Well, guys don't scream. Guys don't scream. 
Oh, hell no. Hell yeah, they do. You know, if I see a walker taking a poop in the woods, my ass is going to scream. That's going to be a horrific sight. Uh, so, yeah, I think it is kind of a, you know, misogynistic way of how movies have been done all along. Where it's the women that have been doing all the screaming. Now let the guys get a, a few good screams in there. We all know there's a scream queen list. I say we get a scream king list going. The kings of scream. You know, that's pretty good. The kings of scream. And get that list rolling. Maybe that list can get started with Scream 5 when it gets released early next year. The new scream will mark the franchise's return to theaters after 2011's Scream 4. Uh, Christopher writes, Union Rules, Men Don't Scream. That, that's like a, a league of their own. There's no crying in baseball. The highly anticipated slasher has the distinction of being the first installment since Wes Craven's death. Ready or not, filmmakers Matt Bettinelli, Open, and Tyler Gillette are behind the camera this time and the pressure is on. We'll just have to wait and see how Jack Quaid's character factors into the story. Luckily, Bernelli, Open, and Gillette are massive fans of Wes Craven's work, particularly on the iconic original Scream movie. Uh, remember, Wes Craven has been doing movies since the early 70s, and that's why a lot of people say when he made the original Scream back in the 90s, it was his big comeback. Their reverence for the horror legend is what ultimately convinced Nev Campbell, Neve Campbell, Nev Campbell, could, could go either way actually, uh, to return to her role as Sidney Prescott. Hopefully some information regarding the movie's plot or some footage will arrive sooner rather than later. We just have too many questions. And they are right. We have not even gotten really any kind of sneak peek. I mean, yeah, it is still a, a, a year away. But I know they've been filming, working on it for a while. Uh, just like every other movie that's been filming, in, that was filming, or TV show that was filming in 2020. Everything came to a complete stop because of COVID. So I have no idea. I don't know if the original release date for Scream was going to be at some point in 2021, but obviously because of COVID, it got pushed back to uh, 2022. Um, Chris123 wants to join because he has a question. Chris, the beauty of chats is you can ask your question right there on the chat, and I will do my best to answer it. So let's see what else we have for you. Netflix is picking up a new horror thriller starring Christian Bale. I'm a big Christian Bale fan. I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again. Christian Bale, out of all the people that we've seen portray Batman, Christian Bale is my favorite. Now, doesn't mean that he had the best Batman voice. I know that's his biggest criticism. And they're right. His Batman voice was a little cheesy, but by far, you know, Batman, then Bruce Wayne, for me, it's Christian Bale. Netflix has picked up 
the upcoming horror thriller The Pale Blue Eyes, starring Christian Bale, paying $55 million for the title. Damn. Uh, that's how much money Netflix has. They paid $55 million, uh, according to Deadline. This is thought to be a record for a worldwide deal at the European film market. The movie follows the attempt to solve a series of murders that took place in 1830 at the U.S. Military Academy at West Point in upstate New York. Bale will play a veteran detective who investigates the murders, helped by a young cadet who will later become a world-famous author, Edgar Allan Poe. All right. There's, there's no word yet on who will play Poe. Directed by Scott Cooper, The Pale Blue Eyes will see the actor and director reteam after Bale starred in Hostiles, Cooper's 2017 Western, alongside uh, Rosamond Pike and Jesse Pymans. The pair also worked together on a crime drama called Out of the Furnace in 2015. Cooper uh, penned the script for The Pale Blue Eyes 2, which is an adaptation of Lewis Bayard's novel of the same name. The movie is due to shoot in the fall after Bale has finished his work on the upcoming untitled David O. Russell movie and Thor Love and Thunder. That's cool. Christian Bale is going to be in the Thor movie, both which are currently in production. Uh, so let's see. Colette writes only in war films. Singer Chick writes The Walking Dead when Negan burned faces with the iron. Uh, that, he, was, he was a ruthless bastard. No question about that. Um, and oh, check this out. Marie's getting hit on on Instagram. Marie is getting hit on. Oh man, Shoppy, don't 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 inflate Marie's ego, please. Please. If you inflate her ego, then I got to deal with it afterwards. Yes, Marie is beautiful, but you know, you know, Marie has gained a fan following on Instagram. And you got to admit Marie, being the sole Instagram moderator, you have become like the star of the show on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, so anyway, I'm just checking out the time. Damn, 51 minutes already in. Uh, let's see. Let's see what we can get through here a little bit quicker. Sony dates horror film The Unholy for Easter weekend. With Easter weekend less than a month away, Sony announced today that it will be opening the Evan... Uh, okay, now check this out. This is a Greek name. I am Greek. I am Greek. Okay. But I'm going to butcher this name. It's Evan Spilotopoulos. I see, for me to say it, I got to say it Greek. I got to say it in Greek. Because when you try to say a Greek name in English, it just comes out all butchered. So it's Evan Spilotopoulos. You see? If I say it in Greek like that, it comes out perfect. If I try to say, you know, using... You know, my American accent, which is not an accent, it's how I talk. I would say it and I would I would pronounce it like Spilotopoulos. 
Spilotopoulos. But no, it's Evan Spilotopoulos. Anyway, got really sidetracked there. With Easter less than a month away, Sony announced today that it will be opening the Evan Spilotopoulos Screen Gem Supernatural PG-13 horror movie The Unholy on April 2nd. Christopher writes that his ex-wife is Greek. Well, I hope she's not your ex-wife because she was Greek. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just checking in on what's going on on Instagram. Andrew has joined us. Uh, welcome, Andrew Valentine, 712. Our longtime viewer on Instagram. Shoev41 is also waving at us. Marie's telling me to stop. Marie, I'm giving you compliments. I don't know why you're telling me to stop. The, the feature based on the James Herbert novel, Shrine, joins Warner Brothers' legendary theatrical release of Godzilla vs. Kong, which is opening on Wednesday, March 31st. I can't wait for that. Uh, and is also hitting HBO Max simultaneously. As the big wide releases for the holiday weekend, that period has traditionally been a robust time at the B&O, given how the frame coincides with spring break. During great pre-pandemic box office times, Warner Brothers' Batman vs. Superman is the record B.O. opener for Easter weekend with $181 million domestically in the United States, while Universal's Furious 7 is second with $161.2 million. There's a great hope in the industry that Los Angeles might have the go-ahead to reopen cinemas by Easter weekend, and I think that might be a little ambitious. This past weekend, New York City reopened its cinemas, propelling the DMA to be the number one BO market in the country with $1 million per sources. So there you guys have it. Colette writes that, uh, writes, that was a great book. Uh, Colette also has read a lot of his books. Lindsay writes, she loves my t-shirt. I'm wearing my Negan t-shirt today. All right, guys, uh, we're pretty much out of time. Uh, that article, it was worth every second that I took me to read in the beginning about the rules of being a walker. Uh, I loved it, and it was worth the time I spent. Now, I was supposed to do today, let me put this away for now. Let me close the screen. If you guys remember last week, we all knew I had my interviews coming up. Uh this past Monday and yesterday, and I said that we would be talking about The Walking Dead today, uh, doing a recap of episode 18 of The Walking Dead. The reason why we did not do that is because I'm so busy with this other stuff that I can't announce yet. I haven't watched it. I'm going to watch it tonight, guaranteed. Uh, I'm going to watch it. After the show is over, soon after the show is over. So we are going to be doing our review of The Walking Dead Season 10, Episode 18, tomorrow night. Okay? I'm definitely going to be watching it tonight. And I'll be ultra prepared so we can go over that episode that uh, aired this past Sunday. And it's weird because tomorrow is Thursday, 
which means that next week's episode is going to be available as of tomorrow on AMC+. Plus. So, uh, who knows? I may be watching two episodes tonight back-to-back. Anyway, guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, It's been a real fun hour. It's always fun talking to you guys. I love it. Uh, Don't forget to join me again tomorrow night. Please visit our website, deadtalklive.com. Don't forget about our guest that I announced earlier for Monday and Tuesday. And hopefully uh, for uh, Tom, we'll have a date by tomorrow that I can confirm. It's been a great night as always. Everybody stay safe. And until tomorrow night, guys, stay walking. Good night.